Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Where the big dogs play. Are we working on taglines? <laughs> I don't know. But I thought <laughs> that it would be fun. This is like, it, we don't have anything that goes on a shirt. We have a place where we can put a wonderful shirt, but I don't know what would go on it. And so I thought we could spend like the beginning of this episode putting some stuff out there because I think our fans would also like the opportunity to wear our merch, but I don't know what it is. So let me hit you with this. I've got one. Let me hit you with mine first, please. Please. Yes. It's going to say like big dogs on it and it'll be a parody of like a movie. So it'll be like Darth Vader, but he's like a big dog. And on the back, it'll be like, um, I am your, I am your pother or something it'll be like a movie parody but it'll have a big big dog on it and i'll say big dog brand clothing on it wonderful and wonderful on it somewhere okay okay you want to know mine yeah i desperately get you some get you some Mm -hmm. for a tagline or for a specific like where are you thinking about this on a merch was the font what's the orientation i think wonderful would be on the front yeah and on the back it would say get you get you some that's pretty good um how about no fear (laughs) <laughs> wonderful no fear yeah don't fear it what if it's hypercolor too what if it is hypercolor i don't know if they can do that at the ftba but um yeah i think probably big dog right where the big dogs play oh did we decide on that yeah you looked very enthusiastic people can't see this at home they probably <laughs> thought i just uh steamrolled <laughs> you but you looked really enthusiastic about where yeah. the big dogs play um <laughs> but what's cool it'll, it'll just say wonderful on the front and it'll maybe have like a our logo or something but then on the inside of the shirt it'll say where the big dogs play so that's just for you that's a little treat for you <laughs> do you have any small wonders oh man i really meant to think about that ah you didn't though did you did you i got one i can start yes I owe Daniel Tiger a big debt of gratitude. Oh, yeah. Enormous debt of gratitude. Okay. This is a small tiger who was on the uh, the Fred Rogers program. Have you heard of this? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm, yes, um, yes, yes. And Daniel Tiger was on this one, but he was pretty different from the cartoon that we know and love. And he's just a little boy, and he's got friends who are all from the rogers averse, and uh, they sing songs about lessons. So, like, each, le- each episode has a lesson, like... Um, clean up. Oh shit! Come back is a good one. Clean up, put away. Something messes every day. Um, there's one about the potty. Like when you have to potty, go right now. Flush, wash, and be on your way. I didn't do it good, but I like it. What I like about it is that um, Henry is really into it. And so we were driving home today, and I hit like crazy traffic, and there was nothing I could do to calm Henry down in the back seat. So I got on Spotify. I was like, do you have Daniel Tiger? And Spotify was like, I got you. <laughs> and it did get me. Thank you, Daniel. On the In the pantheon of children's programming, like Daniel Tiger is, I think, up there. I enjoy it, actually. Yeah. I, of Among the many options, it's a good one. It is uplifting. It is mm-hmm. zen-like how, how uh, purposefully uplifting it is. Mm-hmm. How about now do you have a small wonder? Oh, I do. Okay. Making it got renewed for season two. That is a wonderful, wonderful news update. We never hit you with entertainment news, but yeah. now we have. So <laughs> deal with it. We were just watching that literally right before we came up here to record. It's a fun episode. It's all about the holidays. So you know I'm into it. Um, I'm going first. Yes, please do. My first thing this week for Wonderful Where the Big Dogs Play is waffles. Have you Have you had a waffle lately? I have had many a frozen waffle. I, I don't know that I have had a like a restaurant waffle. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm not picky, to be completely honest. I um, See, I would prefer like a waffle oh, iron waffle. Well, yeah, babe. <laughs> of course. A waffle iron waffle would be better in any circumstance. Um, but the frozen waffles is good, too, because you can do them at home so fast. I did them this morning at home so fast, and they gave me they made me powerful all day. Uh, just, they had the cinnamon swirl and they were like the four mini waffles combined into one big waffle. And I don't know why the fuck they do that, but it's fun. It is fun. And I ate, uh, three of them, which is, I guess, 12 miniature waffles. Oh, Griffin. Uh, just embarrassed with syrup. And I ate all of them and it gave me, it gave me a lot of power and I needed a lot of power. You know today. what I like is like a waffle PB and J. Oh, a waffle PB and J is very, very mm-hmm. good. I'm going to talk all about the waffle being like the friend to any and all condiments. Okay. I do wonder, it's a perfect food. And I wonder if like I feel that way about breakfast foods more than lunchtime, dinner yes. foods. Snack- okay. I mean, I think that you do, and I would agree with you. Why? Is it, why? Why are they better? Why am I so into breakfast foods? I mean, you like a sweet. I do. Uh, you like... I don't I don't go that way very often when I'm at, like, a restaurant. I'll do, like, a, mm-hmm. a breakfast scramble with, you know, eggs and sausage and fruit cups. It's just like the one meal where there's, like, a real happy mix of sweet and savory, and it's just kind of understood that you're going to have both, probably. Maybe it's the restraint that I'm into breakfast more than lunch and dinner. There are, there are more things you can't have. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think you and I might differ on that. I like a savory breakfast item. Um, I can't have a beef Wellington for breakfast. Do you know what I mean? But I can have scrambled eggs for dinner. And I like being in that box, that box, you know, I like to play in that box. Anyway, um, these waffles, man, they are good texturally. They're good flavor wise. They're good. Functionally speaking, they taste amazing. They got good mouthfeel and they are just this perfect little storage unit block mm-hmm. for other toppings. I do like the little pockets in a waffle. So, some quick history in like medieval times, ninth century or so. Um, there were, uh, there was this thing in Europe and it wasn't really a waffle, but it was sort of the origins of the waffle iron. It was a wafer iron, uh, and sometimes more specifically a communion wafer iron. So they would have sort of, uh, these intricate biblical sort of insignias on them. And then they would put some, you know, simple dough in there and press it down real, real flat and have a communion wafer with like jesus on it and now when that happens it's like a miracle because there's not a jesus on the waffle iron he just got in there somehow (laughs) um just rascally like that and uh that is kind of like where the origin of the waffle iron comes from uh it wasn't until like the 15th century that it sort of started to have this waffle like shape that we know today uh and this waffle iron became sort of more commonplace in certain european regions including notably belgium um and over the next like few hundred years different countries would like put their different spins on the batter recipe uh adding and removing like sweeteners and dealing with different levels of fluffiness um and that's why there's sort of a diversity of of different different waffles uh, depending on you know where you are in the world um in the early 20th century the waffles had become like less of a like an artisanal thing that you would like get at a restaurant and had become sort of a household food mm-hmm. like a simple uh household food uh in the 1930s they started to introduce you know waffle pancake mixes from uh aunt jemima or aunt jemima 
I always say aunt, but Aunt Jemima sounds wild, doesn't it? <sighs> aunt always sounds wild to me, Griffin. You uh, know that. Bisquick also showed up in this time, and also there were uh, there were a team of three brothers known as the Dorses, and uh, they went on to found Ego in 1953 because they like solved how to do like commercial frozen yeah. waffles, uh, and they you know ruled the roost. Um, I am super not picky about waffles. I like a frozen waffle just because it is so easy to get them. Syrup is like the best j- fluid is the best is the world's best liquid. And there are not a lot of ways to really enjoy syrup in a like a acceptable, publicly acceptable manner, except for the waffle. And the waffle is just like, you know, you get a waffle and it's like a four by four grid. That's 16 little cups, little shots of syrup you're about to do. And you're going to eat the cup, too. Uh, <laughs> can I tell our listeners about the the great breakfast purchases that you repeatedly made for a while? Yeah, I got sort of stuck in like a looper, like time time loop. We would decide of. that we wanted to make breakfast, whether it was pancakes or waffles. And each time it was as if Griffin's memory had been erased. And so he would go out and he would buy more syrup. Uh, kind of like the memento guy. And then you would wake memento, up every day and then you would have to remember that we had syrup. And so yeah. we had like four bottles of syrup in our house we had a, a great deal time. of syrup and a lot of mix a lot of syrup a lot of, yeah. uh, pancake waffle mix yes. um that i definitely didn't use but I, i've cooked waffles we had a waffle iron at some point or another we did. uh i like frozen waffles i like uh, a fancy waffle made of strange ingredients at a nice restaurant i will murder some stroop waffles holy yeah. shit See, when you were talking about the communion wafer i was like huh it sounds like a stroop sense. waffle if you don't yeah. know what that is it's basically like a very very thin almost wafer like waffle that is pretty sweet that has uh like it's two of them and like a cookie it has like a a syrupy usually syrupy filling inside that's more like creamy and all holds together together kind of like a waffle oreo which is maybe why i enjoy it so much but i will eat waffles with syrup with butter with fruit i will eat it with fried chicken i will especially eat it with fried chicken holy shit that's a recent i think i had that for the first time when i was living in chicago like oh damn these guys are best friends um, I just, I like foods, I think, that have a function to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. inherently, there is a, there is a, there is a function to this food. I'm having a hard time thinking of other ones, because the waffle is, like, the perfect, but, like, Frito's scoops, it's like, hello, oh. I will eat Frito's scoops by themselves, but. So hel- the function of the waffle is what? It holds all these different things with all of its nooks. It's amazing. You put you put some stuff on a pancake, and the pancake just kind of drinks it up, and you're now you're eating just sort of a soggy cake. And don't get me wrong, pancakes are fine. Waffle made a little bit tougher stuff than that, and it keeps the separate separation, a separate separation between the waffle meat <laughs> and the syrup stuff. Uh huh. And not only that, it makes little fun little swimming pools of the syrup. Yeah, and then I like now. to close my eyes mm-hmm. and have an imagination vision. Of me, and I'm like shrunk down, so I'm the waffle size, but smaller even. And I can swim in all these different pools of syrup, and I can make up my mind like which one I want to swim around in, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids style. If I could, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I can't believe there wasn't one of those movies where Rick Moranis's character right didn't like go around and set up a bunch of dope shit like on the floor of his attic where the shrink ray was. You know what I mean? Like, here's a waffle and put a bunch of syrup in it. Uh, here is, uh, you know, here's some, uh, here's like a little, here's a bunch of like race cars. Mm -hmm. So I can shrink down and like play around in those. That's kind of what Stuart Little is like. 
Oh, Stuart Little. Don't give like, me don't give me Mouse fucking Mouse in the started. motorcycle? Yeah, God. Mm-hmm. Well, can they hear him talk or not? It's like, come <laughs> on, guys. What's your first thing? My first thing is hide and seek. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> this game is so badass. Do you have any high, uh, fond hide and seek memories? Let me think. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, segment over. I, know, I mean, we played it a lot. I just like can't think of one particularly well, yeah, no, dope sesh. I don't, yeah, I don't have a particular memory. Although I have a memory of playing adult hide and seek. Ooh. Uh-huh. Wedding, our wedding night. <laughs> I hate this. You're going to hurt yourself with how much you're winking. It's making that noise. Do you hear that? No, I don't. Listen, we work hard, we play hard. The seeker Mm. would get to carry around a giant bottle of alcohol while they were finding the hiders. Okay. Did they drink it or did they hand out drinks or did they just sort of have this accessory? You're forgetting, aren't you? Is it because of the big bottle? (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) This was after I moved to Austin. Okay. Uh, Some of my friends from St. Louis were visiting, and we came up with this new version. But apparently, people have been coming up with different variations of hide-and-seek around the world for a very long time. I didn't know that there was much to sort of iterate on here. Oh, well, there is. Okay. So uh, from Britannica.com, hide-and-seek appears to be the equivalent to a game described in the second century Greek writing of Julius Pollux. He was so fun. He was so fun. He did Foursquare, too. Uh, So here are some some variations. So children in Nigeria play a combination of hide-and-seek and tag, where the seeker stands in the center of a large circle that has been drawn in the sand and tells the other players to hide. The seeker then steps out of the circle, finds, and then chases the other kids who must run into the circle to be safe. The child touched before reaching the circle must be the next seeker. Um, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remembered a hide and seek story. You want to hear it? Yeah. Uh, at my church that I like grew up going to, which was a big, big like four story huge church with like you know a fellowship hall and a uh you know the 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 sanctuary place and like all of all of the a bunch of offices and yeah. sunday school class places um i was there during the summer and a few of my friends were also there because i think like the parents were having some sort of meeting uh to like plan for something and we had nothing to do so we played a game of hide and seek in the entire church and i remember hiding in the like um the like uh sound booth in this mm-hmm. in the like sanctuary uh for maybe an hour and a half <laughs> oh gosh griffin <laughs> commitment yeah and i didn't know when the game was over i'm pretty sure i missed the end of the game by quite a bit but i did get to learn a lot how uh, like that soundboard operates and sort of the <laughs> the you know the bells and whistles and gears that uh, power the good word I like, so the thing I like about hide and seek, uh, is that it's, it's a real good game for introverts because you kind of go off by yourself. Yeah. And you wait to be found. I was going to do that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I am am technically always playing hide and seek. Uh, it was only when I was older I learned about sardines, which is kind of 
kind of great and kind of awful. Like I like the idea. Of I don't know it. what that. I don't know what that. Oh, you don't know sardines? No. So sardines is one person hides, and everybody's looking for that person. And when you find the person, you hide with them in that spot. And so the the goal is to not be the last person. The opposite of what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's like packed in this tiny spot. And when you get there, you want to make sure you're not the last one or else you lose. Okay. That's fun. Uh, do you want to know more more uh, variations? I do. Yeah. I'm very curious about this. In parts of Australia, the game is called 44 Homes. What? But, yeah. The hiders hide until they are spotted by the seeker who chants 4040, I see you. Once spotted, the hider must run to home base. Uh, and touch it before she or he is tipped, which is a way of saying tagged. If tagged, the hider becomes the new it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, not a huge variation. I'm I'm waiting for one that's like, okay, so first of all, you need the hide-and-seek bat. <laughs> you want to grab the quaffle and hit that with the bludger. Uh, in North India, if... The hiders touch the seeker and say DAPA, then the seeker has to count again. However, if the seeker sees the hider before they manage to touch him or her and say DAPA, then that hider will be it in the next round. Okay. Some other hider manages to DAPA the seeker without being seen. That is fucking okay. Now, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> like some Metal Gear Solid, like if I can sneak up on you and do some like close quarters combat, then I knock you out for a little bit. That's so fucking tight. So th- those are some interesting variations. The Hell one yeah. thing you might be excited to know about is that there is a hide-and-seek world championship. This does not surprise me. It's 2018, and we all have a lot of time on our hands. Here's the thing, though. It started in 2010, and it takes place in Italy every year. Uh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. This seemed like a decidedly sort of uh, American conquest. It's called Nascondino, which is hide-and-seek in Italian. Fuck Yes. And takes place on a playground in the open air set up with artificial and natural hideouts. Uh, It's a team game. Each team has five players. Each round is played with uh, one player per team. There is a neutral seeker and one teammate from each team has uh, one minute to hide and then five minutes to run to home base, uh, which is a large mattress that you can launch yourself towards. (laughs) (laughs) The first to reach home base is awarded 20 points and then each succeeding player is receives one less point i have a i have a problem with that okay i don't think it should be scored based on how quickly you can get to the mattress i think it should be scored on how fucking long it takes them to find you because now it's less about the hiding and more about the like because if they just go the opposite direction than you it seems kind of luck based Mm -hmm. i just want a good hide uh the winning team is awarded the golden fig leaf which is biblically the symbol of hiding referring to the story of adam and eve because they hided their their they hid their, their gins their their shame their stuff mm-hmm. okay um, that is fascinating we have not um, played this in some time huh no but I love it anytime I go to like a big place like a museum sure or a very large house mm-hmm. I always think this would be awesome to play hide and seek yeah I think in Italy also I think I have a problem with them having like artificial hidey holes like play this shit at like the Colosseum <laughs> or something <laughs> like you have some really really great hide and seek like destinations over there I read online that it's traditionally like rugby players and football players that do it see they just want to hit I don't like this I'm going to start my <laughs> own hide you and seek should. championship and it's about the hiding and I want it to be this in a city 
and it takes a month. And so you better like pack supplies when <laughs> you go. How do you to, know when to stop hiding? There will be a loud siren that pierces okay. the air. Okay. Um, and you, it's for a month and then there's, uh, yeah. Do you hide for a month? Yes. That's what I'm saying. You need to bring some MREs, you need to bring some water and you got to bring some dipes. You got to. Wait, that's, there aren't going to be lavatories. If you, uh, are you hiding on the toilet? <laughs> are you hiding on the toilet? It's not a bad spot, I guess. Like you're in a stall, you're in this clothes. This is kind of a counter option to like marathons. Like, either you train forever to run a marathon and okay. push your body to the absolute limit. That'd be good. Or you push your body to the limit by just sitting completely still. <laughs> Can I hit you with the best idea I've ever had in my life? Yes. This, it's a movie. Okay. It's this. It's a citywide hide-and-seek game that lasts a month. Yes. It, it, we can do it in Austin, right? Uh, and so you can hide wherever you want in Austin. And then there's like one, one, it starts out with like one guy and he's the seeker. And then they count down. And the countdown's probably like an hour because they want you to get set up. And it goes three, two, one, bah. And then when it goes bah, the guy who's the seeker, a claw shoots out of his chest. <laughs> and you're like, what? And then the guy falls to the ground dead. And then who appears right behind him? It's the predator. And now the predator's doing it. <laughs> predators too. Fuck yes. It's the Predators. Are you kidding me? You have an incredible imagination. <laughs> but he has a hard time. In yeah. the movie, they're, they're, and the Hyder's not, they don't fight back. Like, you know, Arnold or Adrian Brody, which, hey, Hollywood, are you saying that they're those two are the same? But okay, uh, they, they fight back. No, it's just the... Do the Hyder's die? Uh, if they didn't hide good enough, it's the Predators. Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> This is and, the real challenge. Doesn't the predator just win? Not if they don't make it the month. They don't okay. make it the month. The alien shows up, eats him big, whole. Just, eats him, eats him big is what I said the first time. I'm gonna stick with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the alien shows up and eats him big, and now we got a whole nother kettle of fish. It's a whole, like a little old lady who swallowed a fly situation on yeah. her hands. Yeah. Predators too. Get at me, Hollywood. I want to play this game with you, not right now, not with the Predators one, but just regular hide and seek. Just regular hide and seek. Yeah, because we haven't played it in, in our, our our new house, and like I don't know, yeah, what the good spots are. I think I got a couple. I got a couple as well. All right, but don't tell me. Okay. Um, can I steal you away? Boo doo doo boo, boo boo boo, boo 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 boo, boo boo boo, boo. I thought you were about to do the Star Spangled Banner for a second. <laughs> Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. 
So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain i've got a jumbotron you want to hear it i would love to this uh, is a message all about Mike is a werewolf and that is okay. Um, okay, uh, I I I agree. There's nothing wrong with being a werewolf. Uh, you can find it on Amazon or by visiting. Oh, Mike. thank God. Okay, it's like a <laughs> fictional work, right? Okay, I thought this was like an actual thing, and I got really worried about my chickens. Do you know? I don't even think we know a Mike in Austin. Ah, uh, I mean. Mike Pence. In Austin? He swings by sometimes. Okay. Uh, or uh, if you can't find it on Amazon or would prefer to go directly to the site, it is mikeisawerewolf.tumblr.com. Tumblr does not have any in it, so keep that in mind. I just want people to be aware if you're going to go into the link. Mike is a Werewolf and That is Okay by Dave Gonzalez and Brewster is a novel about a man with lycanthropy an anxiety disorder, and no clue where one ends and the other begins. Over the course of one year, Mike is a werewolf follows Mike Wachowski as he tries to manage his condition, his social life, and the string of wolf sightings around his town on the Puget Sound. Mike is a werewolf is a slow, calm character study about life with mental illness, some mild violence, and strong language. That sounds really fucking good. Uh, I also really appreciated sort of the MPAA warning there at the end. We don't get that for a lot of our a lot of our gumbo troms. Just a lot of uh, surprise cussing when you when you dial into those products. What was that link one more time where people can get Mike is a werewolf? Mike is a werewolf Again, there's no e in that. There's an e in Mike and werewolf, but not in Tumblr. There's actually two e's in werewolf. Fuck, so many e's. Do you want to hear the next message? I would love to. It is for Nier. It is from Robin. Hey, Nier, just reminding you that coffee isn't a meal, and you do, in fact, need to eat food occasionally. Love you lots. Oh, great. Get in, get out, and give a nice one. <laughs> that is a good message, I think, for anyone. That is absolutely true, especially since coffee is a breakfast drink, and as we've established, breakfast is the most exciting meal of the day. Welcome. Thank you. No Thanks. problem. Thank you. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. 
What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. Uh, what else do the big dogs have to say, Griffin? Well, the big dogs love this second thing, my second topic. <laughs> and can I say something? Uh-huh. It's wild what my second topic is because of what your first topic was. We got kind of close to the singularity a little bit. Okay. Mine is also a folk game. It's Johann Sebastian Joust. Oh, my God. Johann Sebastian Joust. That's wild that you did hide and seek. Johann Sebastian Joust is also sort of a physical playground game, but with the sort of modern electronic twist. So yeah. I, I would encourage you, if you don't know what Johann Sebastian Joust is, or I, I'm just going to call it Joust from now on, because it's kind of a mouthful. If you don't know what it is, go like search for it on YouTube. I actually wrote a feature about it for Polygon. It was like the first thing I wrote. It's I think it may good. have been the only feature I wrote while it's I was very, at Polygon. Good. Um, if it was this, this is a a physical video game. It was made by uh, a studio called Dagoot Fabrique, which is a Danish indie developer. Um, and they, it, this game kind of spent a long, long time just kind of as this prototype that, uh, the, the game's designer, who's a dude named Douglas Wilson, who I've interviewed a, a ton of times and I think has like a lot of really interesting like uh, philosophies about video game design. Uh, he would just like bring it to conventions and people would play it in hallways because it is uh, kind of a tough game to figure out how to release because the basic gist of the game is this. Every player... Uh, and you can play with a ton of players. I think we got up to like seven people playing at one time, but you can go way, way higher than that. I think you can go up to like 16. Uh, every player has in one hand a PlayStation Move controller. And this was a peripheral that Sony put out kind of in the Wii Xbox Connect era uh, where everybody thought for like 20 minutes that motion controls were going to be like the permanent future of video games. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool looking controller though. It's like this little rod with this plastic ball on top of it. And there's a, an LED inside of that plastic ball that can change colors. Uh, so, and I, and it's, it is motion sensing. So everybody has one of these controllers in one hand. And the point of the game is to jostle the other players controllers, uh, past a certain sort of like movement threshold. And if you can do that, you will knock them out of the game while doing that. You have to protect your your own controller uh, because everybody else will be kind of trying to do that to you also. Uh, they they sort of frame it as a dueling game, which sounds hyperbolic until you play it yeah. once because uh-huh. it very much is all the way from, um, and I, I actually interviewed Douglas about this before I got a chance to play it and he talked about how the physicality of the game is so interesting. The poses that people take on is almost they look like fencers kind of holding up their, their, you know, their torch in one hand that they're trying to keep upright and safe while, you know, stabbing one hand outward, like a, like a, a a foil or something. Um, so that's it. If you're the last player standing, you win. The thing that complicates this is that there is music that sort of, uh, scores every, every, every round of the game. It is set to Johann Sebastian Bach's Brandenburg concertos. Um, and the tempo of those concertos swings uh, periodically from very, very fast to very, very slow. When the music is going very fast, the th- threshold for movement is 
is way more forgiving. You can like make some dope maneuvers. You can run with your controller and probably not knock yourself out. You can dive forward to swat at another player's hand and not uh, knock yourself out. But when the music slows way down, if you barely move your controller too much, you, you are out. Uh, it is, it is extremely unforgiving at that point. And so the matches are so unpredictable because you never know when the music's going to change. You might make a bunch of like desperate maneuvers to try to knock somebody out. And then the music slows down and now you are pincered between two people who are very close to you. And you have to very cautiously, like you're disarming a bomb, get yourself out of that situation. Um, it is, it is, it is, it's fun in a way that no other game I think I've ever played is, and I've yeah. played so, so many games. Uh, it is, there is something, uh, and I'm, I'm probably going to misuse this word, but there's something kind of transgressive about it. We play a lot of games with our friends, but there's something about this game, the, this game's physicality that actually yeah. requires you to kind of, uh, kind of make, make a, physical move yeah. to like shake your uh, your friend's arm or yeah. like make a almost like uh almost like a fight right but it's harmless and it is yeah. uh it is it is not violent in any way we never certainly hurt each other while playing this game but like these i don't have that relationship with my friends where we're like rough and tumble roughhousing all the time yeah. and yet this game kind of required it and i thought that was so every time we played i was like battling this desire to win and to not get knocked out versus like oh well that's like that's like my friend who like i go out for happy hours with and talk to and i'm gonna fucking push them as hard as i possibly can (laughs) to try and knock them out of the out of the game um it's also just like visually a super interesting game to watch not only like watching people figure out how to duel in this game that they've never played anything quite like before, but also like from afar, these controllers have these beautiful glowing lights. Every player is assigned a different color. And so from afar, you just feel like you're like watching some will-o'-wisps like wander we through the forest. We used to play it a lot in the front yard back when you were living with Justin. Oh yeah. And people would walk by and drive by and just look at us like, what are they what doing? What the fuck are they doing? It is a very weird <laughs> game to see people playing. Um, but there was a time where like every time that our group of friends got together, yeah. I would bring it out. Um, it was finally formally released in, I think 2014 in this bundle of games called sports friends, which is actually has like a ton of super fun, like local multiplayer games in it. Uh, and, uh, Johann Sebastian Joust is one of them. I actually kind of always preferred the like unreleased version that I had on my MacBook because you can play it anywhere. As long as you have your MacBook, you can just open it up and hand everybody a controller and just fucking play wherever yeah. you want to. So we would play at like lake houses at yeah. night where you can play like really, really huge games because we've played it in like living rooms too. We played it in living rooms too. <laughs> I, I had one round where I like hid in the bathroom in like the shower <laughs> waiting for like everybody else to knock each other out so I could finish the last person one on one. And uh, our friend Eric found me in the bathroom and it was literally like a horror movie pulling back the shower curtain like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> it is it, it, it is a great game. We have not played it admittedly in, a, in quite some time, but I still have all the controllers. Uh, so so I guess anytime we want to, we could do it. But if you have a PlayStation 4 uh, sports friend and, and like you do like to play sort of like local multiplayer games, sports friends is a great package and you can play this game with like 
the regular PS4 controller. You don't need these like special move peripherals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the move was kind of a, kind of a flop. You can use it with the PlayStation VR helmet now, kind of. Uh, but there was a period there where you could get them for like $15 on Amazon. So I stocked up on, on a ton. So I know this is not exactly like a reproducible thing for the folks at home, but, uh, I just, man, I, I love this game. And I think, and, you know, who I think would really like it yeah. is Henry. Henry future. would very much like it, but I'm, I mean, I would beat him pretty bad. <laughs> he would lose to me, I think, yeah, just wingspan wise. He's still a little unstable on his feet too. So you could jostle him real easy. He's very jostle. I would never do that. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I like this. I got very, when I was writing that feature, I got very into the idea of folk games. It was a, uh, and probably still is like a movement in the video games industry of just like, hey, what if the thing that you looked at was not the screen? What if the thing you looked at, like, what if we could make digital games yeah. with like electronic components where you actually had to look face to face with another player? So I, I, I remember there was like a dueling game where there was a screen, but you weren't looking at it. You were looking at the other person, you know, six feet away from you as you guys had like a Wild West duel. Uh, stuff like that, like, I think is so conceptually so cool and so refreshing. And this is the by far like the pinnacle yeah. of that. Um, yeah, go seriously, go watch videos of people playing this game. It is a fun fucking game to watch. Where's the national championship for this? That's what I want to know. There should be. There we should could be. incorporate it into our hide-and-seek predator. Yeah. There actually was a, a version of this game that uh, Douglas Wilson told me about that he prototyped in a theater. I think you could play with up to 100 people, and he played in a theater with all the lights off. And uh, <laughs> this is going to be kind of complicated, but it, it, when he told it to me, it sounded like the coolest thing ever. And also, what's cool about it is that I think this was the only game of it ever played on Earth, and it may never get played again. So that's interesting to me that it was a game that was played once in the history of mankind. So everybody had a move controller, and there was a seeker, and their controller was glowing red. And this was in a the theater with no lights on, so it's pitch black in there. All that you can see when you're like hiding in the seats in the theater is this red ball floating around in the distance. And uh, all of the hiders, their controllers were not illuminated. They were completely oh. dark. But if you move it starts to glow. Oh my God. And so the seeker will so come good. close to you. And if he gets close to you, you can start to move, but your ball is going to start to glow and they're going to be able to find you. Oh, it's kind of like Marco Polo. It's kind of like Marco Polo meets uh, hide and seek meets like the scariest sounding game ever. <laughs> um, yeah. What hmm. is your second thing? Uh, my second thing. And I thought it was interesting that you brought up Daniel Tiger earlier because my second thing is the song Baby Beluga. Okay. Oh, this is going to make this connects a lot of dots. Because when I came home uh, today from picking up Henry, I saw a printout of the lyrics to Baby Beluga downstairs. And I was like, is Rachel doing some like open mic nights <laughs> somewhere? I know. I thought later I should have hid that from you. Yeah, that's I, fine. We like to keep our topic secret. Baby Beluga, huh? Baby Beluga. So it, um, for those that aren't familiar, this is a, uh, it's actually the name of the album. But it's uh, a name of the song that I'm. I'm Was this Raffi? It is Raffi. Okay. Uh, released in 1980. Damn, it's a Raffi classic. Uh, so the album begins with the sound of whales communicating and includes an illustrated sing-along book, which was also published and sold separately as a companion to the first track. During the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in 1993, the song was sung in a blue screen featured Baby Beluga swimming. Okay. Uh, was this an important song to you as a child? A little bit, yeah. I don't. I have a lot of memories of hearing it as a kid and loving it. 
Um, but I can't like pinpoint specific things. Mm. I remember recently I asked, cause you were talking a little bit about like the songs that your family would sing when you were growing up. Yeah. And I asked my dad, I was like, did you guys sing any songs to me? And my dad said <laughs> that he used to sing me the theme song from Cheers. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's peak um, peak whiner. Um, but I uh, I've been trying to sing the song to Henry. Yeah. I used, when I changed his diaper, I used to sing it all the time. I do a little less now, but he used to just really hate having his diaper changed, like yeah. in a very specific kind of way. So I used to sing this song. Uh, when I was reading about it online, I read something that says <laughs> children who grew up listening to Raffi's song are referred to as beluga graduates or beluga grads. No, they're not. They're actually not. <laughs> I was like, no, actually They're no. super, super, super not. Rafi gets kind of a bad rap because he was like such a popular children's music performer. And I think parents kind of grew to hate his music. Sure. But I just, I still find it so comforting and warm. Well, I was kind of a, a, a bit of a later generation. And so for me, it was Baby Lou Bega. And this... <laughs> No, give me a little bit of that. Give me a little bit of what that sounded like, Griffin. Yeah, I mean, it was Mama Number 5, but it was like, you know, nice. And it was like, A little Mom. bit of Minnie Mouse. No, it'd be like, <laughs> Mambo Number 5. And they would still have, you know, whale sounds. Oh, I thought you, see, I thought you were going to like try and make it more kid appropriate. Uh, like no, a, it was still about courting multiple women. A little bit of pumpkin pie. Oh, yeah. Kind of like so, Hungry Caterpillar. Yeah, but that's fine. Mamba number five. Sure, yeah. It's not all about all the foods Lubega ate, and he got a tummy ache, and he turned into a butterfly. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to give you some lyrics of it. It like it just paints such a nice, like comforting picture to me. Okay. Uh, so it's a little baby whale uh, and kind of his adventures in the ocean. I mean, yes, clearly. It's a baby beluga, my, my love. <laughs> I'm painting a picture, Griffin. You've got to set it up. Sure. No, I know. But it is, it is, I do want to, it is baby beluga. So let me, let me read a little bit. Okay. <laughs> baby beluga in the deep blue sea, swim so wild and you swim so free, heaven above and the sea below and a little white whale on the go. Baby beluga, baby beluga, is the water warm? Is your mama home with you so happy? Way down yonder where the dolphins play, where you dive and splash all day, waves roll in and the waves roll out, see the water squirting out of your spout. And then just kind of continues from there uh, and ends where the uh, the whale is like home in bed for the night. Uh, and I, I just, I don't I Read know. that. I want to hear that part. Okay. When it's dark and you're home and fed, curl up snug in your waterbed, moon is shining and the stars are out. Good night, little whale. Good night. Who doesn't like that? If you don't like that, you're you're a, you're a fucking ghoul. <laughs> well, I think Raffi just had a lot of repetitive children's songs that I think graded. This was before there was like a huge amount of children's programming. Sure. And so there wasn't a lot for kids to want to do over and over and over again on repeat. And, you know, music albums kind of allow for that. I think a lot I get of that. parents got sick of it. Yeah. I mean, if I had to listen to... 
on this drive home, I heard the song, uh, the Tiger Family Trip or whatever from Daniel Tiger twice. And I was like, oh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> so I get if I had to hear Baby Beluga a million times, I would probably not yeah. love it. But those lyrics are so undeniably I still pleasant. Have a, I, I really have a terrible memory when it comes to memorizing songs. So I still haven't memorized the whole thing. So part of me printing it out was like, I've really got to learn this. You one. really need to. Because I like the idea of having like a song that we sing to Henry. Yeah. Do we not have one? Not consistently. I mean, we have, um, this is the diaper song. This is the diaper song. This is the song that we sing when we put the diapers mm-hmm. on. This is the diaper song. This is the diaper song. And if you feel like it, you can sing along. That's one I wrote, though. Because mm-hmm. I'm we the also, new, We I'm also the have one that I wrote. That's true. Patience, patience, P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E. And patience, that's fun. Patience, wait with me. Wait with me. And that's great because you get to learn. And that was also, was that also invented during diaper time? They don't tell you that. They warn you like, hey, you're going to change a lot of diapers and you hear that and you think like, uh-oh, poopy and pee-pee, gross, gross, gross. What they don't tell you is how um, fucking boring it is. It's so well, boring to change a diaper. And there are multiple periods in your child's life where they absolutely hate it and a lot of times will fight you during the process and so yeah. you're trying to do anything to distract them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God, that was so pleasant, baby. That took me to like a nice place. Good. Yeah, I needed to go there. I'll sing this to you tonight before we go to bed. <laughs> Put those eyebrows away. <laughs> uh, hey, do you want to hear what our friends at home are into right now? Yes. Uh, Luke says, something I find wonderful is the website futureme.org. You can go onto it and write a letter to be emailed to yourself or someone else on any date in the future. It's kind of like a little time capsule. I write myself a letter every week to be delivered on the 1st of January every year so that by the time January rolls around, I have 52 digital versions of myself talking about what's on my mind, what I'm excited about, funny jokes I want to remember, goals I want to accomplish, and so much more. I did not know this was a thing, and I love it. I love it. It's like a, your MacBook's time machine where it's like, do you, I want to know know what i was like the third week of march and then i would see that and i'd be like oh okay maybe it gets better (laughs) (laughs) that is such a cool thing yeah uh i thought so too and so does luke uh gabby says i'm a third generation nancy drew fan and she's my role model nancy's independent clever shrewd and compassionate i've written essays about her own many nancy drew books and video games and i'm even putting her books all around my upcoming wedding that is so amazing. I don't think I've ever read any Nancy Drew, but it still sounds so amazing. I haven't either, but I mean, I'm into it. I was real into Harriet the Spy. I think this is the OG Harriet the Spy. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and one last one from Rory, uh, who says, I love pull-through parking spots. There's nothing better than <laughs> setting future me up. Whoa, weird. Future me. Ooh. Wild. Uh, there's nothing better than setting future me up for an easy breezy exit. I'm filled with joy when I see one and I will park super far away to snag it. <laughs> Can I tell you a horrible story? Sure. I was in the Walgreens parking lot and I parked and I went in to get, I don't know, something, probably butt cream or whatever. <laughs> and I went and I got back in my car and I was in front of like, it was like one of those two for parking spots where two cars park in them and face each other. There's nobody in the other one. And the parking lot was almost empty. I looked around and there were none of those like dividers that go in between the parking spots that face each other, yeah. right? That would s- prevent a pull through. So I went ahead and I drove straight forward and I ran over one of those dividers. That's happened to me before too. And I was like, what the fuck? And I pulled backwards it and I the looked. Only one. It was the only mother, <laughs> it was the only fucking divider in the whole lot. And I drove yeah. over it. That happened to me in the parking lot of a value village when I was in high school. Anyway, I do love the pull through though. I cherish it. I I do get excited about it for sure, uh, but um, I'm not willing to back up 
to get that easy escape. Oh, God, You know, no. people back in the parking spots. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. That's a great turn of phrase. Robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like, it's so good. The first time I would hear, it sounds a little bit, when you say it, like, Robin Peter to pay Paul, as if it's you're like, giving, like a, like, a list of, like, fun things. Yeah, it sounds like a, like a folk band from the, <laughs> yeah. from the 70s. Um, so that's our show. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Oh, my God. We almost forgot to tell you this. Um, update for next week. There won't be one. There won't be a wonderful next week. And we're sorry. We're going to Walt Disney World. And um, we tried to like figure out like a way that we can do an episode for then. And also this episode's like a day late. So obviously things have been going horribly wrong for us this week. Uh, so we are going to take a vacation from you all next week. We still uh, appreciate you a whole heck of a lot. And we'll be back the week after that with new new content. But yes, next week, no show. Um. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to, uh, thank you to Rachel. She, she just crushes it week in, week out, and, oh, uh, except you. for next week, because we won't be here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, uh, thank you to Max Fun for having us on the network. Yes, thanks, Max Fun. Uh, if you want to check out other shows about comedy and culture that include comedy and culture, sometimes there are more than just about, but include, uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org to do so. Yeah. And uh, if you want to hear other shows that we do, it's at McElroyShows.com. And um, I think that's it. So um, let me just open up the gate here. Uh-oh. Who let the, who let the big dogs out? <laughs> it was It was me. <laughs> Time to go home, big dogs. What's the like opposite of where the big dogs play? Because you hear where, where the big dogs play at the beginning of the wonderful, oh. and you get excited. What's like the sign off? Like so, how the little dogs sleep. I don't think it's got to be the opposite size <laughs> okay. of dogs. I think we're just sort of dismissing the dismissing the big. What if we just say like, "Get out of here, big dogs." You know what I mean? And like, then one of us goes roof roof. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but I was I want to do like a Harry and the Hendersons thing, so you can be the dog. Get out of here, big dog. Just go. I know. Get out of here. We don't want you anymore. This is making me actually sad. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Beloved Maximum Fun Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, is going out on tour. We are bringing Greatest Gen Con to a bunch of cities in the U.S. and Canada. It's our big tribute to slash send up of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And we have a big leg coming up. (laughs) 
Yes, we are raising our legs on a number of cities <laughs> in the coming weeks. We're going to Washington, D.C. on August 23rd, the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York on August 24th, Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts on August 25th, Pittsburgh on the 28th, Boston, Massachusetts at the Wilbur Theater on the 29th, Atlanta, Georgia at the Earl on the 30th, Ferndale, Michigan at the Magic Bag on the 31st. Those are some great big rooms and some great big cities, Ben. And it's a really fun show. It's accessible even if you haven't listened to the podcast yet. We can't wait to see you when we're out on tour. Check greatestgencon.com for dates and ticketing information. And Khan is spelled K-H-A-N because Wrath of Khan. Greatestgen, K-H-A-N.com. <laughs>